cool. Thank you guys for getting up here and braving it so, uh, and sharing a little bit about your experience. Today's our first Christmas series. We're past Thanksgiving. We could talk about Christmas, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, anybody have a love-hate relationship with Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> John Mark, just all love, all love about Christmas. Um, but it's, you know, I want to take a look at that because we named this series The Heart of Christmas because Christmas can be a difficult time for many people and for many reasons. When you think about, you know, when you think about Christmas, is Jesus the first thing that comes to mind usually? How much do you even hear about Jesus during Christmas? Not a whole lot. <laughs> even though his name is kind of in the name of the holiday, you know, Christmas. Um, we don't hear a lot about Jesus. And so some of the things that are really difficult and challenging about the Christmas time is people get, do you know that it's one of the holidays people get more depressed than any other holiday? People feel more alone. People feel more stressed out. Suicides go up. I mean, that's heartbreaking, isn't it? That Christmas is, and, and why? It's because Christmas has gotten to be this time where people spend money that they don't have and feel pressured to do it and are in the crowds and it's just like, and people comparing what they think Christmas should be of this amazing experience and what they hear all about it. And, you know, if, if your life isn't there, it can just be really depressing. So the purpose of this series over the next few weeks is to get back to the heart of Christmas, which is the birthday of Jesus. And Jesus is worthy of celebrating. We celebrate people that we love's birthday, right? And the more you love somebody, the more you go all out, don't you? For the birthday, you're like, man, let's just, you know, celebrate big time. Party up a storm, who, you know, if it's somebody that you love. And so let's make this Christmas the biggest Jesus birthday celebration ever. What do you say? So the heart of Christmas is getting back to the fact that it is the birth. We celebrate the birthday of Jesus during this time. And if there's ever a birthday worth celebrating, it's definitely Jesus Christ. Um, <clears throat> we don't actually know when Jesus was born, but that's okay. Somebody long time ago picked out December uh, for, there's a lot of funny reasons behind that we don't need to discuss, but hey, we got a day that we set aside to celebrate the birthday of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be kind of going through the Christmas story over all of these weeks, every, each week, as well as the fact that next week we're even going to start doing like little Christmas skits, um, as well as the fact that for the very first time ever, Searchlight's going to do a, a candlelight Christmas Eve service. We're very excited about this. It's going to be super special. You won't recognize this place. It's going to be Christmas Eve, the 24th, at 5 p.m. Uh, we're going to have Christmas carols. We're going to have a play with the nativity scene and everything that's going to be funny and heartwarming. And we're going to close with candles, real-life candles, and have a really sweet candlelight service. So please uh, come join us to celebrate Jesus on Christmas Eve and bring friends. So, uh, But before we get started, I want to kind of talk about kind of why the birth of Jesus is a love story. It really is. It's a love story of God loving us. So let's turn, if you've got Bibles, to John 3.16, one of the most famous, if not the most famous verse of Scripture in the whole 
Bible. You see this out at football games all the time. And, um, and this is why God sent Jesus. It says in John 3.16, for God so loved, the whole reason God sent his son is love. It's absolutely Jesus, a love story. Christmas is Jesus, a love story. Easter, too. They're both uh, a love story um, holidays. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So there's a lot in this verse that I want to talk about that's just so impactful because, for one, love is giving. If you really want to see what real love looks like, it's giving. It's sacrifice. It's selflessness. And so the greatest thing ever given, if you think about it, you know, if you gave your life for somebody, would that be a big deal? If you laid, like gave up your life, right? People do it in the military. It's amazing, like heroic thing to lay down your life or give your life for somebody. But God, it says, gave the greatest, there's no greater sacrifice than, than he gave his only begotten son. There's even an emphasis there that Jesus was the only begotten son of God. And it says that because we're all sons of God. So, uh, But the only one that was a son of God by birth in that, in that way. Um, and so he gave not just a child, but his only child, it says, uh, that that's the love, because of love, that for the world, and mind you, what's amazing about this and blows my mind is that God loved, the, does the world love God necessarily? <laughs> you know, overall, I would say the history of the world and humanity, there's a lot of, like, people um, throughout history, including myself, that have rejected God repeatedly. Um, which I can relate to. And so this touched me deeply. I could not, I, like one of my biggest things when I think about the love that Jesus had for me is I was raised atheist. I was angry about everybody that believed in a God. I'm angry about Jesus. I just thought it's the stupidest thing in the world. And I used to enjoy ridiculing Jesus and the people that believed in Jesus. And so the story that Jesus loved me right there unconditionally in that state just blew my mind and I've never known love like that and and I never I never will I mean I've it's a love that the Bible talks about surpasses knowledge when we experience that as you heard some people at seekers retreat experiencing some of that for the very first time there's nothing like it it's the most unconditional pure love ever that you're loved, each one of us is loved right now in the state that we're in, no matter what, where we've come from, no matter what we've done, whether we love God, whether we love Jesus, whether we hate God, whether we hate Jesus, that God still gave his only begotten son for each one of us. That who, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then this is just to cement it. It says God didn't send his son to condemn the world. A lot of people think that. My Bible says just the opposite. God did not send Jesus in to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There's no greater gift. And so 
I want to today, we're going to look a little bit about the prophecies, that this was God's heart from the very beginning. From You've you know, heard of Adam and Eve, right? From Adam and Eve, God has foretold of the coming of Jesus. He is prepared for the time that Jesus could come. So this whole thing of the birth of Jesus Christ is a huge thing that God waited for for thousands of years before it happened and prepared. It wasn't an easy thing to put together, as you're going to see in the records that we're going to talk about as the weeks unfold. It, for God to pull this off, it took, you could kind of see where it made sense that perhaps it took thousands of years to prepare. We don't know all the reasoning, but, but the first prophecy, we're going to look at some of the prophecies of Jesus. There are prophecies of the coming of Jesus Christ all through the Old Testament. The entire Old Testament speaks of Jesus, God's heart for sending a Messiah to the people that, to, to people because he loved them. And there's so many, we're not going to, we couldn't possibly actually even cover all of them, but I want to kind of focus on the first one. And then I also want to tell you some of the prophecies of the Christmas story, because many of the unique, wild things about the story of Christmas and the nativity and all the things that you've heard were foretold in the Old Testament. So let's go to the first prophecy of the coming of Jesus in Genesis 3 and verse 15. And this came about because God gave free will. God did not know. I don't care what people say. God gave free will. And so God did not know that Adam was going to fall. That was not God's intention. God's intention in making Adam was that the world would be perfect and amazing, that he would have this great close relationship with people, and that it would be paradise. That was God's original intention. But because God gave free will, you see it through the Bible, that all kinds of things can happen, you know? If people have free will, you don't know everything that's going to happen. There are certainly prophecies where God predicts things that are about to come to pass. There are prophecies you see in the Bible, you know, like Jonah and Nineveh, that God said something's going to happen, and then people changed their mind, and that changed what God did about it. So God's desire was that, you know, he gave the world, we learned about this in Se- at the Seekers Retreat, he gave Adam and Eve the world. And that, and that the world belonged to them. And it talks about the fact that they transferred the dominion to Satan. And so now it's under Satan's control is why we have all the sickness and the death. Um, if you want more detailed explanation, make sure you're in the next Seekers Retreat in May. Or March. No, May. Um, it's every six months. So God's heart was breaking to lose the connection with mankind. And so he prophesied that he was going to send Jesus in Genesis 3, verse 15. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, this her seed is speaking about Jesus Christ because a woman doesn't have seed. Seed comes from the man's side. So it's a figure of speech saying that that the, the seed of the woman was, was Christ. And, that it's, and the prophecy says the word bruise, it could be bruise, it could also be, it's basically he's going to step on your head <laughs> like so that it's smashed to smithereens and you're going to hurt his heel a little bit. That's what that prophecy says. That's the first uh, 
prophecy of the coming of Jesus Christ. So I want to kind of get into, so you can see how long God has envisioned and wanted to send his son, Jesus Christ. And we're going to take a look at some of the prophecies of the Christmas story, starting with John the Baptist, who we'll be hearing about. The birth of John the Baptist uh, was prophesied in Malachi chapter 4 and in verse 5. Because John was a prophet that he paved the way for people to receive Jesus Christ. Because the last book of the Old Testament in Malachi, between Malachi and the coming of Jesus was 400 years. Nobody was thinking about Messiah. It was one of the most dark spiritual times where people were not giving a hoot about God between Malachi and the coming of Jesus. And so there was a big need for John the Baptist to prepare people's hearts to receive the Savior. And so in Malachi 4 and verse 5, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And then also there's another one on, on um, Isaiah uh, 40 in verse 3 it says the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord make straight in the desert a highway for our God every valley will be exalted every mountain will be uh, mountain and hill brought low the crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places made smooth the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall, shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken so these are a couple of the scriptures there's a there's a number of things that talk about John the Baptist in his birth. You know, Elijah, it says, paved the way for Elijah, the prophet that came after him. And in the same way, it says that, that John the Baptist paved the way for the coming of Jesus. Uh, now I want to talk about kind of some fun things. Again, you see the heart of how God was preparing it. You know, one of the crazy things about the Christmas story, I don't know if you've thought about this, was for one, it says he was born in Bethlehem, which is by itself just kind of wacky. Bethlehem is this really podunk little town. Like, it is not where you'd say that the king of kings, lord of lords, would be from. I, I always think of it like Alviso. You know, it's kind of like Alviso. It's just sort of like the greatest human being that ever walked the face of the earth, the most famous king of kings, will be born in Alviso. That's kind of like Bethlehem. Even today, if you go to Bethlehem, it is a podunk little, even though it's a big tourist attraction, it is really not where you want to be from. You know, it's just like a little teeny, you know, unremarkable kind of place. But it was prophesied that Jesus was born there 700 years before it happened. How cool is that? Pretty wild. It also says, now this is funny because if you're looking back at the Old Testament, it says that, that the, it says Jesus, he says, out of Egypt will my son be called. So one is Bethlehem, Egypt and Bethlehem, different places, just in case you're not big on geography. And then it also says... <laughs> <laughs> um, and it also says that he will be that he was that he was raised in Nazareth, so he would be called a Nazarene. Which there's a couple of different understandings of this, but but Nazareth is another podunk little place. It's just and it wasn't really. It was kind of like again not a place you wanted to be from. They had a bad reputation. It was just kind of like you don't want to be from Nazareth. And actually, there's a they they had a nickname that if you were Nazareth, uh, also meant despised. 
So it's interesting because the prophecies of Jesus also said that he was going to be someone that was despised. That was a part of the prophecies as well. So think reading back. If you're reading the Old Testament, what would you think? He's from Bethlehem, Egypt, Nazareth. Huh. Like, oh, really? How's God going to pull all of that together in the Christmas story? But these are some of the prophecies. Let's just read through them. Um, and, and, and take a look at how that happened. For one, you know how they got to Bethlehem? Caesar, you've all heard of Caesar, it's, and there's a number of Caesars. This was the big one. Caesar decided to do a census, wouldn't you know it, just out of randomness during the time that Joseph and Mary, well, that Mary was pregnant with Jesus. So they had to go back, Joseph and Mary, to, to where their ancestors were from, which happened to be Bethlehem, to register for the census when Jesus was born. How is that for pulling off one of the prophecies? Then the other thing is, is in this Jesus story, as far as how he wound up in, in coming out of Egypt, is because Herod wound up hearing about Jesus through the Magi and decides to kill all the children two years and younger, and the angel says, get out of here, because they're going to kill Jesus as a baby. And so they told Joseph to go to Egypt, which he did. Then, after the angel says, hey, everything's cool, you can go back, he goes back and they settle in Nazareth. So that fulfills all three of those wacky prophecies. How wild is that? So um, let's go. To, we'll just read some of them. In Micah 5, verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. And then in Hosea, it says, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. And then the next one for, um, in Matthew, we don't see, it's a little uncertain as to wh what they were quoting in Matthew, but it says in Matthew 2.23, and, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. So it also kind of prophets sounds like maybe it was spoken by a number of people. He shall be called a Nazarene, which means also despised. So I want to take a look at now some of the, uh, one of the prophecies that I love that Jesus quoted at the beginning of his ministry to say what he's here for and the purpose of Jesus Christ. Let's look in Luke 4. Jesus goes to Capernaum, which is an awesome place if you ever get to go to Israel. It's pretty cool. There's actually the synagogue that he taught this in is still there in Capernaum. So you can, it's, it's really amazing to sit there in the synagogue. They're like stone benches and pillars and you can just sit there you know on the sea of galilee in you know and you're just sitting there wow jesus this is where he announced his ministry and said what he came for and so he got up to to read the scroll because that's how what they did there and you can imagine how much he knew god's word that he could take a scroll and just open it like that because there weren't chapters and verses and all that stuff the way that we see it today and went right to the verse in isaiah that prophesied about him and what he came to do. And this is him quoting the scripture in Isaiah. In Luke 4, verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to, and here's the, the, the purpose, to preach the gospel or good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. 
This is why Jesus came. This is God's heart. Look at the things that are in this verse of what Jesus came to do. So this is worthy of celebrating. It says to, to preach the good news, the good news of his coming and what he came to do to the poor. And obviously during those times, the, the poor were poor beyond, you know, kind of more what we see in third world countries. The poor were very, very poor. But, I, but it's also, it's just the good news to everybody. Poor means lacking. Lacking in any place that Jesus came to bring the good news. And then it says, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. It is possible. What, think of heartbreak. Any heartbreaks you have experienced or the heartbreaks of people that you know. What are, we see it all the time, especially in relationships today. One of the reasons uh, that the dating workshop that I get excited about that is because Jesus can heal relationships. Talk about brokenheartedness. There's a lot of broken hearts, aren't there, in the, in the field of, of families or relationships. Jesus came to heal whatever brokenheartedness there is. Jesus can heal. He is willing and able to heal all brokenheartedness. Whatever it is in your life right now that's hurting, it, I've, seen, I've seen people's lives change radically. I've seen people over and over again that, that want to that didn't even want to live, that were at the last breath of not wanting to live or didn't know why life was worth living or have any purpose in life or feel that their life mattered or had value. Brokenhearted people over and over again whose lives have been radically turned around by Jesus. I see it all over even in this room. I see faces of people whose lives have been radically transformed by Jesus. That's how big his love is. That's what he came to do. That's just one part of it, though. There's nothing Jesus can't heal. And then it says, it's interesting, because twice he talks about liberty, freedom. Jesus is the king of liberty and freedom, not of bondage. Twice he talks about, in the world, there's so many things that bring captivity and bondage. He says, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Captive. Think about the things that take you and I or even people that we love captive. You ever feel imprisoned? You ever feel trapped? You know people that are feeling that way? Jesus said that he came to pre preach liberty that he can. Jesus Christ can bring freedom in whatever area that we have captivity in our lives. And it says, then it says, and recovery of sight to the blind. I love that one. Jesus also has the power to heal physically. Not only did he heal people in his time, in his ministry on earth, but Jesus still has the power to heal every sickness, every disease. Today he has that. He is willing and able to heal. And not just from seeing, from any other disease. The other thing I love about this is it's not just literal, it's also figurative. I know for sure that Jesus has healed me in places I could not see, that I was blind, that could not see, even places that I was captive, that I was blind to that. And Jesus set me free and gave me sight where I could see things I couldn't see before. That's the power of Jesus. Worthy of celebrating? Amen? Amen. Okay, more. There's more. <laughs> it says, 
and the second freedom, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Oppression, it's kind of interesting because we see the freedom twice. Captive, sometimes you can be, you know, put yourself in captivity. You know, addictions, toxic relationships, all kinds of things that we can be, put ourselves in captivity. But then you see, oppressed. He can heal and set free people that are oppressed by others even. You th I think of oppression usually, right, outside, keeping you down, holding you back. Anything that's holding you back and keeping you from less of what God made you to be, of seeing your potential and the fullness of what God created you to be, to live out your potential, Jesus came to set you free from whatever that is that's holding you back. Is it fear? Is it shame? Is it guilt? Is it a sense that you're not good enough? Jesus came to set us free from all that. Hallelujah and amen, huh? Amen. Man, let's celebrate Jesus this Christmas. What do you say? Have you guys seen some of this in your lives? I have. If you haven't yet, then talk to somebody afterwards when we're eating snacks. But if you have seen this, let's celebrate Jesus this Christmas. Let's give the gift of Jesus. We give gifts, spend all this money on presents. Let's give the gift of Jesus to people. Have that be our heart. Have that be our focus. We're going to do a special Christmas that we've never done before, Christmas Eve. you got people that don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, that haven't experienced his love. Bring them to feel his love. You know what? Christmas is the time that more people that have not known anything about Jesus will come to church. It's a great time to invite them because people like the, people know it's supposed to be this birthday of Jesus. So even people that don't believe in Jesus, it's a time to invite them to come. It's going to be sweet, special. It's just like welcoming, candles, silent night. You know, so there's, I want to encourage you, well, actually, let's just give one more. John 10.10, 10, I love this one, as far as just why Jesus came. In John 10.10, 10, it says, the thief, and that's Satan, does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. Satan, I'm sorry, you see stealing, killing, destroying? At some part, Satan is behind it, whether directly or indirectly. There's parts of your life, I'm telling you, Satan does not like you, does not want you happy, does not want you blessed. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to hold you back. He wants to oppress you. He wants to keep you captive. Satan is behind captivity, behind prisons, behind shame, behind guilt, things that enslave people. And he's a liar. He's the father of lies. And he's the one that's behind the lie that says Jesus doesn't want you free. He wants you in bondage. You heard that? That's a lie from Satan. Because it says the thief, that's what he does not come to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, I, Jesus, have come. I have come. It says his purpose, the reason he came, is that they might have life. And that word life is the fullness of life. It's the Greek word zoe, that they might have not existence, not just eking out in existence. It says, I have come that they might have life, the fullness of life, and that they might have it 
more abundantly, and that word abundantly means over and above, exceeding abundantly, superior, surpassing. It's saying Jesus' purpose, besides letting, you know, freedom, it says he came that we would have the fullness of life exceeding abundantly. That's his desire. What does that look like for you? What does exceeding abundantly life look like for you? Jesus wants to take you there. If you're not there yet, he wants to take you on that journey. It is possible. It's doable. Wherever we let Jesus in, we're going to see exceeding abundantly. We're going to see life to the full in whatever area we say, yes, Lord, I want you in this part of my life. Jesus wants to give that to every person. Hallelujah. Amen. This is worth celebrating. This is a birth worth celebrating. Jesus is worth celebrating. And this Christmas, let's give the gift of Jesus. What do you say? Amen? Okay, there's two ways that you can think about this. One is I talked to you about it before. If ever there was a time that people might have their hearts open to come into church, it's candlelight service. We're going to have a Christmas play. Hey, let's get away from Santa. Santa's crap, guys. Santa's crap. It's a lousy imitation. I hate Santa. Just putting it out there, as I did on Facebook. Putting it out there in the universe. I'm a Santa hater. I hate it. I was a little girl, atheist. I never believed in Santa. I thought it was the stupidest thing ever. But I'll tell you one thing, the whole idea that they would teach that somebody's going to meet all your needs, some, that, and he's a fake. How's that teach anybody to have faith? You're little, you believe in this person that's, like, non-existent, and you lied to. Really, does that help your faith when you grow up? I, I mean, to me, I just always thought God was this, some lousy substitute for Santa because adults couldn't deal with not having a Santa. <laughs> Cynical little uh, atheist child I was. But come on, let's just like Christmas trees. It's what the heck is that got to do with Jesus? Nothing. They're nice though. I like Christmas trees. <laughs> See, I'm so I'm such a hypocrite because the Bible says don't cut down a tree and put it in your house and decorate it because that's what the pagans do. So but there's a scripture about that. So yeah, trees aren't great either. But I like them. So anyway. <laughs> But let's put Jesus, let's give the gift of people knowing Jesus and have Jesus. Jesus is the reason for the season. Let's give the gift of Jesus. I'm going to ask you, like, to really think about it. You're going to go out, spend all this money on gifts, get all stressed out. Why, why not think about, we got cards in your programs, don't we? I think we've got cards in the programs, right? I think there's, there's a few of these. To really think, and there's extra I think we only put five in your program or four or something like that, but there's extra back there about really inviting people to come celebrate Christmas Eve because this could be an open door. You never know that this could open somebody's heart maybe to maybe can thinking about coming to get Jesus. You know, so to think about doing that, that that's the gift that you give Jesus. And then the second thing to think about during this time, for many reasons, it's another way that you can give the gift of Jesus is just to give financially. Um, our, our, our mission, we have, we're an all-volunteer church. 
you know, to be thinking about in this time of giving and, and celebrating the greatest gift that God gave of his son, you know, the, ever, all the money that we get at Searchlight is to reach other people so that they can come to know Jesus. There's no salaries, there's no nothing. But to think about stretching and giving this year, you know, in faith and stretching, you know, wherever you are. I'm a big believer in giving. You know, Adam and I have been committed to, um, to I've been committed to giving since I was 14 years old, you know, where I've given uh, at least 10% of my income for m the majority of those years, I would say, just because somebody taught me that that's a way to honor God and to stretch in faith, to really think of wherever you are as far as your faith in, in your finances this time, and not getting stuck in all of the materialistic stuff, but to be in a place that you're honoring God first with the increase in how he's blessed you, and that that's a way that you can give, because the money that we get is used for things like, some people are here from Facebook, so, you know, so it goes towards things like that, or putting on the Seekers Retreat, that cost $150 a person, so the offering money goes to helping make that more available to people, uh, that more people can come to think about this. I love you guys. I'm excited about this Christmas Eve. Isn't every Sunday, come, get your heart refreshed. We're going to be focusing on Jesus and the amazing gift that he is. Amen and hallelujah. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness. I can't believe you sent your son, Lord Jesus. You amaze me with your love. You have changed my life by your love, Jesus. You have changed so many people in this room who who have felt your love in their lives have been radically changed and healed and set free, that you are the author of freedom. Help us to be bold. Help us to share the gift of who you are and to really step out this year in this Christmas season as we celebrate you and make you the center, Jesus. Amen.